Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning for, I think, the third time. So we have the video that says good morning, Kisto says good morning, and I'm going to say good morning again. So, thank you. Extra happy good morning. Um, We'll be in the book of Daniel today, uh, so go ahead and turn there. We'll be in Daniel 2. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Brad Larson. I'm the campus pastor here, and I'm honored to, to be with you to sit under God's Word. Um, before we, we get started in Daniel 2, um, just a quick announcement. The uh, TDC Kids Ministry, um, which is not babysitting, but gospel ministry for our children through fifth grade. We have a town hall today after the second gathering, so somewhere right at that almost noonish time. Um, and we would love for you to be there. If you have a kid in TDC Kids, if you have volunteered in TDC Kids, if you might want to volunteer in TDC Kids, uh, what we want to do there is, is share what we've been up to, uh, what we're currently working on, and then what the future looks like for TDC Kids. So we would love for you to be there. Um, so just show up. Um, I think there's, really, go talk to Kayla um, if you have kids and need childcare. I don't know if we still have that available. It might be, might be full, but, but go check on that. Uh, we'd love to have you. So uh, Daniel 2 is, is where we are, and uh, we've been in the book of Daniel for... Um, really a week, and we're going to be in the book of Daniel for a minute, and this is a book of the Bible that is, it is ancient and, and yet relevant. So it's, it's written a very long time ago, around 600 BC, uh, and there, there's a guy named Daniel, and he is an exile. So an exile is someone who is an alien in a foreign land, really. You're not home. You're somewhere that is not home. And so that is what, what Daniel is, is doing, and we call it faithful exile because that is what Daniel is seeking to do, is to be faithful to God in a foreign land in his time of exile. And if you are in Christ, I don't want to assume that, but if you are in Christ, you are in exile here. So you're not at home here. And I, maybe it feels like that to you, and, and we talked about this last week, but if you, if you think that this place is your home, be that Argyle, Texas, America, whatever it is, you may constantly be angry because you think that someone has vandalized your home or, or someone has changed the culture within your home. But the truth of the matter is we're just like, we're in Babylon like Daniel. You're in exile and we need to know how to be faithful exiles. And so the, the context of the book of Daniel, God's people have been conquered by Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, who I'll call King Neb because it's easier, him and his boys, they come in and they conquer the people of God. And it is a, an utter defeat. And so what, what King Neb does is he gets guys like Daniel, the influencers, the young, best, brightest, the ones that are like, man, smart, good-looking, capable. We're going to indoctrinate them. We're going to make them good Babylonian soldiers. So he, he captures them, and Daniel and his friends are in this, this period of indoctrination. And so they're amongst the... Um, really kind of the influential class that King Neb is, is, is working on bringing in for his purposes. And what we see is God is moving ferociously through all of this. That, that is not, this. This book isn't about the hero story about Daniel. It's a hero story about God. 
And so God is moving to put Daniel in these positions where God is glorified and Daniel is blessed. And what we see in this text today, in, in chapter 2, is the, the kingdom of mercy. That God's kingdom is a kingdom of mercy. A kingdom of compassion. That God is the most high. He is the most powerful. He is, as, as Kisto read in Hebrews 12, he's a consuming fire. And yet he gets close to his people. He condescends to be near. He answers their prayers. Our God is a consuming fire and he is a God of mercy. That is what we will see this morning. So Daniel chapter 2, I would, you really should follow along. It's going to be a lot of text. Each week we're doing you know, a big chunk of text, so follow along. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's one underneath the seat somewhere around you, hopefully. Let's read this together and give reverent attention to God's word. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation." The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed so the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. He's seeking an appointment with the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, 
so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision in the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and now have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what, should be, what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and exceeding, and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of men, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. There shall be a fourth kingdom, Strong as iron, because of iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and the toes, 
partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as the iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those things, the, ki- the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all of these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. This is the word of God and I feel like it's kind of just like amen and I should go sit down because I don't know how much time we have left. But it's a beautiful narrative. It's not a story. You know, this is not like a fable. This is like a documentary. This is an account. And let me just summarize what's, what's happening here. So King Neb has a dream and he's sleeplessly searching. He can't figure out what is going on in his inner life. Have you ever had a troubling dream? where you wake up haunted. You're like, what in the world does that even mean? I know sometimes dreams are just weird, but sometimes they're haunting and weird. That's what he's dealing with. And he's searching for what, what I would say is transcendent truth, meaning truth that is not just here and now, like this is a Bible, but, but truth of like, man, what is going on in my inner life and what is in the spiritual realm? He's searching So he calls his wise men, these enchanters, sorcerers, magicians. When he calls them the Chaldeans, it's just a summary. These Babylonian wise men, these worldly wise men. He's like, hey, tell me what's going on. And there's this cat and mouse game. Like any fraudulent psychic or medium, they're like, well, just tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it meant. In other words, tell us the dream and we'll make something up that sounds feasible to you so you don't kill us. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not stupid. Tell me the dream and what it means. And they're like, this is impossible. There's no way that this can be done. Because verse 11 says that this information comes from the gods. And the gods don't deal with men like this. The gods are high and lifted up. They're far away. And they have this wisdom of all of this. But, but we don't have that. And they, they don't dwell with us. There's no way we can tell you this. And he says, that's, that's fine. I'm going to kill all of you. So he puts out this decree of destruction. And enter Daniel. 
So Daniel's one of the wise men. He's in this, this class of people who knows things, and he's got a death sentence on him as well. Remember, if you were here last week, and if you weren't, I'll tell you, in chapter 1, verse 17, God gives Daniel the gift of interpretation of dreams and visions. God has prepared Daniel for this moment. And so in verse 15, Daniel's like, whoa, 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 easy. Let's not kill everybody just yet. See, he trusts God to come through for him. And look at his response. He trusts the gift that God gave him. He knows that he has been gifted with this, and he trusts the gift that God gave him and relies upon it. And he, he seeks refuge in the faithfulness of God. He has nowhere to turn but to the deliverance of God. The only safe place is, is completely falling upon the mercy of God, and he seeks the mercy of God. That's what he says in his prayer says that they, when they got together, so he, he's told this situation and he goes immediately after. He's like, give me an appointment with the king. I'll tell the interpretation. He doesn't have the interpretation. So he goes home or to his bunkhouse, whatever, with his friends. And he goes, fellas, we need to pray. And what do they pray for? They pray for the mercy of God, the compassion of God. They seek the mercy of God they seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery is what it says. And God is merciful. And he reveals the dream to them. And so Daniel has a gracious God and Daniel has a glorious God. And so in verses 27 and 28, when he goes before King Neb, the first thing he does is just a power move. And he says, all of your wise men... They're spiritually just a complete fraud. They're bankrupt. They're a joke. None of them could tell you this, and you know that, but there is a God in heaven. There is one who can reveal these things, and he has revealed them to me. And, and Daniel, he ducks all credit. So when you see someone exercising a spiritual gift or a so-called spiritual gift, and it's about them, and it's showy, that is the, the best test of authenticity of a spiritual gift. Is God being glorified or are you being glorified? And what Daniel has done is pretty amazing, but he's saying, I didn't do anything, but God did. And he knows that, and so he believes that, and so he's glorifying God. And, and so in verse 45, it talks about this great God, the Most High has been most merciful and has revealed this mystery. And Neb sees it in, in verse 47. He says, your God is God of gods. Your God is superior to my, my, my lowercase g gods. And he says that your God is Lord of kings. Even though Neb might not be converted, he understands there is a God above the kings. And so God is glorified and he is glorified for his graciousness for his mercy for the fact that he would reveal this and so this dream reveals the kingdom of mercy that's really what it is i know there was a lot going on in this dream but we see some attributes of this kingdom to come 
The first thing is we see surpassing wisdom. That's verses 27 and 28. The kingdom of mercy, God's kingdom, has wisdom that exceeds the world's wisdom. Unmatched wisdom. Transcendent truth. That is what the word of God is. And it's supreme in strength. So in, in verses 31 through 45, what we see is this, this succession of kingdoms. These body parts, they represent different kingdoms. That's, that's really what you need to know. And so there's these kingdoms that are coming and then they're conquering other kingdoms. And so the first one you have is this head of gold. This is Babylon. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. This is current. But then after that, there's another kingdom that's going to come. And historians know that was Medo-Persia. And then Medo-Persia is conquered by Greece, which is Alexander the Great. And then he is conquered by Rome. And Rome is really strong. The Romans were like, man, we're going to be forever. We're taking all this territory. We're really strong. Rome did not stand forever because there is another kingdom that comes in verse 44. This is a kingdom that will never be destroyed. This is a kingdom that has no succession or no coup. This is a kingdom of heavenly origin and eternal duration. It's a forever kingdom. A kingdom without end. And this is a kingdom of mercy. You see, this kingdom has this God who, verse 27, is a revealer of mysteries. Verse 47 says it again, your God is a revealer of mysteries. This is a God of compassion who comes through for his people. And so this kingdom of mercy ultimately comes through the coming of Christ. And so you might go, where is Christ in this text? You'll see. You see, in verse 11, these wise men are, are, are saying that, that the gods don't deal with men in a compassionate way. They are unmerciful. They're far away. These gods, these, these multiple Babylonian pagan gods, you must come to them. You must approach them. Some of you see the God of the Bible like this. And it's not the God of the Bible. But these little lowercase g gods, they say, earn your way to me. Ask things of me, I may give them to you, maybe not. I'm temperamental, it's like Zeus. Far away, they don't reveal mysteries, they don't get close, but the God of the Bible gets close and he always has. In the garden, when Adam and Eve were there before the fall, God is walking in their midst, intimate and near and proximate. And then even after the fall, there's the temple and the tabernacle where God's presence dwells. His presence has always dwelled with his people. The most high getting low to be with the most low. And then most profoundly, God dwells with us in the incarnation. And so John 1 says this. It'll be on the screen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God dwells with man. And it says that we've seen his glory, that this mercy, this condescension, this getting low, this compassion, it brings God glory. 
You see, it is great news that God is glorified when he is merciful to his people. That the splendor of his character is exhibited when he is merciful and compassion to people. And so we see his glory, we see the manifest beauty of his mercy in the coming of Christ. You see this stone that is mentioned three times. This powerful stone in verse 34 and 35 and 45, this stone is Jesus. This is a look ahead. You're like, well, how do you know that? Well, let's just look in the Bible. 1 Peter 2 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for you who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And so this stone is the cornerstone, the point of strength for the building of the kingdom of mercy. It is Christ. And he is the king, but he's not like Neb. He's not the one seeking to destroy his people, but he is actually a crushed king. So Isaiah 53 says this. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. So this stone, this superior stone, this cornerstone, this king, is a crushed king. And he's crushed in mercy. That with his wounds you would be healed. You would be healed from sin. You would be saved from death. You would be brought into the kingdom of mercy and would be one of these stones being built up into a living house, a royal priesthood. And, and he is a crushed king, but he is not conquered. So Luke 20, Jesus says this. He looks directly at them and said, what, what is this then that is written? He's quoting Psalm 118 which is quoting Daniel. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. What Jesus is saying here is that I am the stone. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so kingdoms will rise and fall, but they will be crushed on me because I am the king. And he is that central point. 
And he is the one way. And so this crushed king is not conquered. He is a conqueror and he conquers for his people. At the end of verse 35, he talks about this, this stone that breaks all these kingdoms and he breaks them so much that they're carried along on the wind. They're vaporized. See, Jesus is a suffering king, a crushed king, but he's also a conquering king for his people. And so when the, the kingdom of mercy comes to you, what is that like? So there's this kingdom of mercy that we see in Scripture. What, what happens when that kingdom of mercy comes to make its home in you? What does that look like? Well, the first thing is your citizenship is changed immediately. And you go from being at home here, being a resident here in this world, to being an exile, to being an alien. And to some of you in this room, I, I, I would just call you, become an alien this morning through Christ. Become an exile. Become a citizen of the kingdom of mercy. And there's also in this exile, you see, you might be exiled but strangely, you're also at home. So in John 14, this tenderloin of Scripture, Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God offers to make his home in you through Christ manifesting himself to you in your inner being through the power of the Spirit such that you would have the home of God in exile. And so what does that bring? Well, it brings desperate praise. That's what Daniel does when God is merciful to him. He just cries out and prays. And so there's this, there's this thing. I would call it the law of increasing awareness of our dire need for salvation and sanctification through Christ. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. If you've been a believer for a minute, you should have an increasing awareness that you need to be saved that your righteousness is insufficient. You see, I find in myself that everything I do is stained with sin. You may say, well, that's, that's too much. That's too far. Well, just look at yourself. The bad things I do, the good things I do, I'm working for myself. I need to be renewed. I have a desperate need. And when I grasp that and I see who Jesus is, it makes me praise him. 
that the Most High would love a man like me. Do you sense this in yourself? Are you bored by praise or are you shocked by the grace of God? Furthermore, from that praise, God moves you into positions in your life. You are where you are. You know who you know. You do what you do. You have whatever influence you have for a purpose. It is to share the mercy of God with the world. You see, mercy in, mercy out. Are you a merciful person? Has anyone ever thought you were weirdly merciful? Looked at you sideways, like, why are you so gracious? We should be aliens of mercy. You see, every kingdom, every place, every country has an accent. Australia has an accent. Texas has an accent. You, you hear someone talking, you're like, man, you're from there. The accent of the kingdom of mercy is mercy. It's graciousness. And so you have purpose in your position, and furthermore, there's peace. King Neb can't sleep. Can you? Are you anxious? Are you troubled? Are you worried that you are out of control or that there's an election this year or that your kids are wayward or whatever it may be? Are, are you worried? Do you sleep? We sleep better at home, don't we? When God makes his home in you, you can rest. And there's peace in exile. And so I, I want to just end with a word from Colossians 3, just, just a benediction, just a charge to you. If you are in Christ and you are in this kingdom of mercy, hear this as a charge to you. If you are not in Christ, let this be an invitation to you. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. God, like Daniel, we 
come before you seeking your mercy. We need your mercy for a million things. First and foremost, mercy for forgiveness for our, our sin, for our unrighteousness, that we could not stand before you as Daniel stood before the king, not, not blameless without Christ. So through Jesus, through his atoning work on the cross, through his victorious resurrection, through his perfect righteousness, we stand before you clean because of the work of your son. And we know that you hear us. And we know that you're a revealer of mysteries, that you are not a God who who will refuse to dwell with flesh, but you are a God who puts on flesh. Help us to see, Holy Spirit, our dire need to be saved and to be sanctified, to be made new, to be made more like Jesus. And whatever dire circumstances we are dealing with in our lives, I know there's a million different circumstances that that the, the people in this room that we're dealing with May we fall upon your mercy, knowing that your heart is good, that your heart is compassionate, and that whether or not you deliver us from that circumstance, there is ultimate deliverance in Christ, and in him we hope. And so, Lord, help us to praise you now. Help us to sing these hymns and spiritual songs because of your great mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.